All right, what's going on, everybody? So this is Weapon Wheel Podcast, episode 28.5, doing a little midweek podcast because we have a uh, special guest with us uh, right now. Um, this is our second developer on this podcast. Get, glad to have him. So before we get into uh, allow him to introduce himself, uh, I'm going to let the rest of the cast introduce themselves. Abel? Um, good morning, guys. What's going on? Um, I'm Abel Green. Uh, yeah, check me out on YouTube. And uh, yeah, let's talk games. Let's get it in. Okay. Uh, Ricky? Hey, thank you for having me today. Um, it's your boy 3MG, representing 3MG Nation. Glad to be here. Thank you so much. And let's talk it. Okay. And Anchor? Hey, everybody. It's Anchorman here. Uh, just glad to be on the podcast, talking to a great developer. And uh, yeah. Okay. And you already know who I am. And Joe, I'm going to go ahead and let you... Uh, uh, introduce yourself, let the people know your position, and I guess you can just give them, for, the, for those who don't know, a brief uh, description of exactly what Battalion 1944 is. Yeah, uh, hi guys, I, I'm Joe Bramer, I'm the executive producer on Battalion 1944, um, so uh, thank you for having me here today. We're, um, yeah, we just announced some of our stretch goals, Battalion 1944 is our uh, World War II shooter, we're kind of going back to classic multiplayer first person shooters and um, it's going to be on PC and PlayStation and Xbox One. So um, yeah, that's that's pretty much the short summary of it. We've just announced some stretch goals, uh, we hit our funding in about three days and then we've just spent the last two and a half weeks making a load of new content to show you guys and it's really nice and we're really kind of excited to see where it goes in the next six days that are left on our Kickstarter. Okay. Uh, so first question I wanted to ask you, because I'm always like interested in developers a little bit outside of the development and game process, what what games are you currently playing? <laughs> what games am I currently playing? Yeah. Oh, um, so at lunch, the entire team here, which is about 10 of us, we sit down and we play Call of Duty 2, Capture the Flag, uh, 4v4, 5v5, and... Uh, yeah, that's like the most intense competitive scene I've ever played in, but I love it. It's probably my favorite thing right now. Um, but at home, Counter-Strike, we have a little team here. We play in ESL. And then um, Armor. I love Armor. Armor, uh, let's go. Yeah, we, uh, we love Modern Lad and RHS. And, uh, yeah, we, we love Armor, man. We, uh, I like flying the planes. <laughs> it's too much fun. I feel like you're you're one of us because I feel like you're on the whole competitive kind of hardcore gaming thing. Right, like right, right, right. Style. Yeah. Yeah, man, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a shooter guy. Always have been. Just oh, let's go. Love let's it. Go. Love it. I've played as many of them as I can, but I think, you know, for okay. me, starting out with, like, Battlefield 2 and those games, like, love it. Love it. Okay. Uh, Anchor? All right. Uh, so my first question was, I know that your team's gone to Normandy uh, to use to get inspiration for the game locations, which is awesome. I like I went there in 2009 to do DA studies and World War II strategies oh, and such. Cool. Uh, but I wanted to know how in depth are the maps you'll be creating? Are these actual locations, or are they just more inspired by the general area? Yeah, it's um, it's an interesting one because uh, one of the reasons uh, the Germans would set up in places like Carentan and. Uh, uh, it's because, or you know, the crossroads in Foy and Bastogne and that kind of thing. It's because they were good locations to defend, often high up, often with like swamps around them. They were hard to attack and that kind of thing. Or they favored, uh, you know, the German tanks and that sort of thing. So a lot of the time, it's totally imbalanced. So for us to just go right, we're going to copy Carantan directly as it was. That doesn't necessarily like. Uh, work very well. So the way we're doing it is uh, we're going back to Normandy at some point, 
uh, in the summer, I think. And we're going to do something called photogrammetry, which is when we basically take a photo of, say, a, a, a building or a wall or you know, a, a, some floor. And these are the actual buildings that were there during the Normandy landings and that kind of thing. And we can then put those actual buildings in the game. So we'll be able to have like real the, the, the real walls, the real feel, the look of the, of the environment in Normandy. But the maps themselves will be meticulously designed as competitive, balanced, fun, and entertaining levels. So we can't just you know say, yeah, let's just copy that place, because it just wouldn't work. It's not designed for that. Because frankly, it's amazing that the Americans, British, and Canadians made it onto that beach. It is amazing because it's just a big open area. It's you know, it, 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 so yeah. For us, competitive is what the way we need to go. Okay, Abel. All right, um, Joe. Then thank you for answering that. Uh, I'm from the era of SOCOM, um, one life for game modes. Um, do you plan to do a one life for game mode in this game? You know, I saw your initial video and you, uh, you listened to your idea about it, actually. Yeah, I see you smiling. <laughs> yeah, we, um, I, there's been a lot of people asking for that one. Um, I'm not quite sure exactly what they're asking for. I know we, we had a discussion in the office uh, before we announced about maybe some kind of lone sniper mission where there's maybe eight of you and seven of you are the Americans and one of you is a German sniper and you hide in this town and mm. um, potentially... You have unlimited, uh, you know, the Americans have unlimited lives, and this one sniper has one life. So um, you have to be really cautious and get as many kills as you can, and be sneaky and hide. You can't just run around. Um, but then eventually, wh whichever American kills the German gets to swap and play as the German. So yeah, oh, it's okay. That's interesting. Kind of a, that's really cool. This is a cool little game mode, but you know, we haven't quite tested it yet. But I like the idea of that, and I think if we did a one life kind of thing, that would that probably be the best direction to go in. Sort okay. of. Okay, thank you. Uh, Ricky? All right, so um, that was a great question, by the way, Abel. And I just wanted to ask a little bit about the in-game part. So since you're going back to the Call of Duty, the Call of Duty 2 style or the traditional first-person shooter, I see that you're a huge fan of competitiveness and competitive shooters. So I wanted to make sure that is the game's rewarding system going to be based on gun-on-gun -gun warfare or streaks at all? This is a tough one. Uh, the, the community is literally split down the middle on this. Like people saying, I want this, I want that. So it's going to be a tough one for us. I think um, ultimately we're rewarding skill. Um, if we can find something like we, we, like think is, we think is skillful, then it will be rewarded. What we're not rewarding is, uh, yeah, I mean, we don't want to give people, for instance, kill streaks aren't necessarily bad because. A kill streak, by definition, is just you get, you know, in Call of Duty, you get three kills in a row consecutively, and you are rewarded for doing that. Now, the yes. problem that lies with kill streaks in Call of Duty is that you're rewarded with ridiculous things like, oh, you get three kills, or mm -hmm. well, now you got an airstrike and you get five more kills, which gets you a helicopter, which gets you eight more kills, <laughs> which is like, what the, there you go. What the hell is that? So that's that's the issue with it. But kill streaks themselves, and now when people hear kill streaks, it's a little bit worrying. But we're not doing anything like that level of it. We may just reward people for skill. That may be rewarded. Whether it's extra points for getting three consecutive kills, or whether it's just like a little badge or a little, you know, you get to have an engraving for the day or something. You know, it is, there's tons of ways we can go. But, yeah, I think urge people to not be scared of the word killstreak. Just redefine it. 
I'm I'm definitely glad that you feel the same way <clears throat> as us because I yeah the community may be split, but I think um going traditional and allowing the player to feel rewarded by their skill yeah. and I mean things like like you've mentioned badges or even like a leveling progression weapon unlocks and stuff like that I think will can replace kill streaks. I personally would love and I can say all of us love gun on gun warfare and I definitely. think with all definitely. these shooters nowadays where the rewarding system is if you get 20 kills you receive this ridiculous kill streak I think it, it, it actually neglects the actual tradition of a gun on gun warfare um, style and you know we get things like campers and we get a lot of separation yeah. in the community and I really have hopes for this game and, and the, I yeah, think that's probably going camping, though, like you're saying about that the thing with camping is like in say search and destroy capture the flag that can be mm -hmm. a really valid way of playing the game but <clears throat> In things like free for all, uh, in Call of Duty and Team Deathmatch as well, it kind of just generated this whole ethos and player mindset of if I sit here, eventually, even if like, no matter how bad you are, eventually you will get three kills in a row and you'll get that UAV and you'll know when they're coming around the corner and you know it. It just ends up coming ridiculous. But if we can get rid of that part of it, like camping, it's annoying for when you're the guy on the other end. But it is definitely a tactic that can be used in in competitive games anyway. So, yeah, I mean, w but we're on the side of, you know, like you said, we're going back to classic style and just kind of not keeping it simple, but staying true to the roots, I think, is the way to go and revitalizing those roots. <coughs> Definitely. Thank so, you. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I love everything you're saying about, you know, skill. But and it, everything you're saying is so logical, and it's like what we, yeah, a lot of us, yeah. hardcore gamers, think yep. And we always think, like, why don't developers think like us and notice the same things as you were saying, like, this killstreak system doesn't really make sense, that you're awarding people a little bit too much, and then you're kind of, like, breaking the game. So, yeah, I definitely, I'm, I'm, it's great that you're aware of that. Um, so as far as, this is obviously going to be a more, I guess, game that's catered to the hard, the hardcore. Uh, I consider myself a gaming purist in a way, in that I don't believe, like, <laughs> Because I, I, I came from, like, Able, the the the, uh, the, the SOCOMs, the, the early Rainbow Sixes, yes. um, Medal of Honor, Allied Assault. I came from that generation, so um, all these new games with all these crutches and stuff, just, I'm like, this is not the way gaming is supposed to be. Um, so do you care at all, I guess, for, I guess you can, I, I call them the filthy casuals, because yeah, you, want, <laughs> the filthy you casual. want people, you want the game to be accessible, right? But you don't want it to be, you know... Ca I guess casual. So how, I guess how are you handling, you know, the fact that it's going to be more hardcore game? Are you worried about people, um, you know, just not? I guess yeah, not being able I, to I, get into it. I know what you're saying. Um, one of the okay, so with going on console as well, that always becomes a bit more of an issue where you have players that need to be taught the game a little bit more because there's less variety than there is on PC. Um, whereas uh, I, I think. Have you played Red Orchestra? Yeah, I have. So, yep. you guys understand that they've got like over 2 million players, which is nothing mm. compared to you know, Black Ops and games like that. But there's still a, a lot of people playing all the time. You can always play and have a good game. But there is a kind of expectation there that you'll understand the game. And that's hard to garner that kind of interest on console, so you we do not that we have to we don't have to dumb it down. We just have to make it accessible and understandable. And um, mm. PC, PC shouldn't be a problem. 
uh, with this kind of thing because you can quickly just go and Google something if you need to. But with console for us, like, yeah, I mean, making it accessible to everyone and making it so that because it's a skill-based game, if you go in every game and people have been playing for a year, that they're just like ten times better than you, or literally a year better than you, then you know you'll just quit eventually, right? But at the moment, the issue is almost the same thing because you go in a game. If you stop, if you buy Battlefield six months after it comes out, there's no point playing because everybody's <laughs> got six months worth worth of unlocks on you plus DLC plus unlocks. Preach, get preach, yes. So it's there is a, a tough thing there. And ultimately, Counter Strike matchmaking is the way to go, but. Whether we can do that or not on the, on the money we're getting is, you know, we'll have to see. But I think we'd love to have a way that we can give new players a start. And if you played Chivalry, they have servers that are for rank 0 yeah, to 15, Chivalry. really. And that's a really good way to do it. But the second you leave rank 15 on Chivalry, you just get hammered and realize how bad you really are. So <laughs> it, yeah, th- there's, there's definitely options out there for us. Okay. Abel? All right, um, Joe. From a development standpoint, uh, what came first, um, making levels and concept art, or did it come to a feature set character first in development? In development, oh, so we were kind of standing there, and I've been whining and complaining for about <laughs> six months, saying I want to make a World War Two shooter, and uh, you know, eventually just kept building up, and then we're in this meeting, or we're actually working on a different game, and then uh, uh, we said, you know, what if we just did it? What if we were the guys that made the World War II shooter? Mm. And um, then we said, um, we said like, okay, let's. What if now was the window? People are waiting to do it. What if this is the window and we need to do it right now? So we kind of, you know, increased our team size a little bit, started spending money making our prototype, uh, took a couple of guys off our other game, and just said, let's go for it. So we built it, and then a month ago we renounced and. This is where we are. So for us, it was everything at once. It wasn't in order. But um, when it comes to the the final game and in the next six months and you know, next year, what we're doing is we're building the game from the ground up, building solid foundations that can last, you know, a ten year cycle kind of thing. Like Good something man. for us, like playing everything in white box. If you guys know what that is, it's just oh, I know designing. what that is. Block out, yeah, yeah, yeah I know. exactly. Block it out. Just design yeah. like getting the player mechanics and the, the feel for the game down from day one and that's like our focus is like right how does this game feel how can uh, we get it? Like, okay good man Joe good that's man. like All right. the way for us and the problem lies really with the fact that some players in the community will see go what are you doing here everything's just white box and we're like yeah but this, <laughs> this is taking us six months to the game you play. Yeah. Like, we could yeah, make a crap game. we can make a crap game in six months but can you make an amazing game in two years that's the question Mm. Mm. Angry. All right. Uh, so fans kind of want to know. Uh, this is a, actually a question I pulled from uh, the chat right here. Uh, fans want to know how interactive the maps will be, or even with the player models. Like, will it be a shifting environment, like weather dynamic or something, or it will be like uh, one person brought up you could like shoot off people's limbs with a shotgun. <laughs> so weather dynamics. Um, there's no real gameplay benefit to it at all, and slight visual. Like, fun. Like, it's kind of cool to have, but it will like hammer your frame rate. So it's just like the pros do not outweigh the cons in any way whatsoever. Okay. All right. So, um, what was the other one? Sorry. Uh, one of the people asked whether or not uh, there was going to be like player dismemberment. Like, uh, they brought up a specifically like Call of Duty. Oh yeah. Um. Yeah, I remember that. That was COD Five. They brought along, wasn't it? It um. 
Yeah, I, I don't see, like, there's not really a problem with it, and I guess we, we could do it. It's just um, people have to remember, like, this is not just our money we're putting in, it's their money as well, and, you know, mm. they I want destructible this, I want it, that to blow up, I want this to happen, that to happen, and, like, you got to say, okay, we want this feature, that's it, it, that's money, that costs money, that costs time, mm-hmm. and then they're, they're the same people who are complaining that the game's not out yet, and these kind of things, so we have to, we have to balance... Cost versus time versus release yeah. versus because you guys just want to play it. And at the end of the day, would you rather play it sooner or would you play it with like exploding limbs? Like, it's it's definitely what I would say is it's not on our priority list, but it's not impossible for us to do. Okay. All right, Ricky. <clears throat> well, okay, this was one of the questions that I think Abel mentioned. I had like a similar question. Um, it was about the amount of content that's going to come with the base game. And since I know this was a multiplayer first, and I see that you guys are working on a dedicated single player, um, with, its, uh, with its release coming, well, when, 2017? Yeah, I think early access, May 2017. Okay, so with that being said, I think one of the biggest flaws and the biggest issue with a lot of shooters lack of weapons or the fact that the replay value people get used to maps and people get used to using the same weapons people don't like to experience other you know attachments and stuff how much content or how much weapons are you guys trying to really bring especially this time period is one of my favorite eras for shooters like how how much content or weapons or maps are you guys really trying to bring with the base game or even within within the future of battalion 1944 so, um, weapons, maps. We haven't got like a you know set figure of stuff we're trying to bring in. It's not like oh we're having ten of these or you know. Um, it's really like we have because it's a Kickstarter. We have to see where it goes and how it grows and how it uh, what people want. Um, I think with the the longevity side of it and replayability, um, variety wins, right? So being able to go through maps that are you know changing visually and. Uh, Gameplay-wise and level design, uh, that's important to have like a vast array of levels you have to play with different styles and different skills. Uh, Call of Duty 4 did that quite well. Maps like Crossfire yes. and Crash, and then you have like Vacant, and there's like a oh. huge array of like talent you have to like garner to be able to play each one. But ultimately, I think with weapons, uh, we we are doing the cosmetic side. We're not doing like you know, there's no freaking Heartbeat sensors here. It's Some just, uh, you know, it's, it's not happening. But, um, you know, we're limited. And one of the reasons the bigger companies move away from this is because they're limited to what weapons they had in World War One. Um, so we'll be using what we can from there, but the game will always be balanced. That's our focus is balance and fun and entertainment, not not necessarily how many weapons can we pack into one game that breaks the whole game. It's It's about balancing it. Right. Okay. Um, the are are we should we expect you know the the typical game modes you know may capture the flag obviously death match what what should we expect yeah. everything like that? Um, yeah, definitely those ones capture the flag, team death match, um, search and destroy, Well, the thing is, we've had discussions on like which one we should support as our like main competitive mode, and um, although you know I. Like I said, we play Counter Strike. We're big Search and Destroy guys. Play Call of Duty, Search and Destroy guys. All right, all but, right. but the thing is, if everybody's doing that already, like oh. that's already a thing. So why why would we go? All oh, right, Counter Strike has millions of players, 
and they have a huge competitive scene. So let's just copy that. Like it doesn't make much sense. So uh, mm. one of the ideas is that we we make capture that we design everything around capture the flag, and make it a really fun team orientated game, um, and we balance it towards uh, capture the flag. And because it's such a great game mode as it is, it just gets overlooked in so many instances because it's often a secondary game mode to free for all, team deathmatch, and search and destroy. So if we focused on it and said like the maps are designed around this, which is normally like attack and defend, and it's it's quite simple mechanics. Then yeah, it, and also you don't have to be um you don't have to be like an amazing player to get in and play uh and play uh capture the flag. It's like a pretty easy game mode to follow. But then if you guys have read around about a uh, battle rank, have you guys seen much about that? Battle, battle rank. rank, yeah. So battle rank is our stat system. And it's also a competition oh. system, so you can sort of join. You can make a platoon in a battalion, um, and you guys will compete against each other for you know daily, weekly, monthly rewards. Um, J- Joe, I have a quick question about Battle Rank. Um, is that something that you program within Blueprints on UE4, or is that something external? It's it's internal in the game. Like you you start whatever platform you play it on, it's internal, but okay. you will be able to access it externally as well. But it's it's hosted on like Azure. It's it's not like a blueprints thing or anything. Okay, okay, it's not from blueprints. Okay. No, no, no. but it's it's yeah, it's in the game. It's very much. It's not like a you have to go and register somewhere else. It's it is the game. The game is around this battalion system. Okay. So um, you uh, Bulkhead is is currently an independent studio, right? Yep. Okay. Fully independent. And you had, and you, uh, you also worked on Numa Breath of Life. Uh, that was at a different studio. Um, so you've worked with, uh, you know, with a studio that had a publisher, and now you're working with an independent uh, studio. Is there one, you know, how, how I guess how was it different uh, your experience working independent than from, you know, than with a, a publisher? And you know, are um, you enjoying a little one more than the other? We we haven't really worked with a publisher as as a studio before. We uh, we've worked. Alongside them, we we haven't been like we haven't taken somebody else's game and made it. We've always made our own games. Mm. Um, so it, this isn't strictly something new for us. That the reason it's really good for us being independent is because I mean I hope you guys have seen how passionate I am about first person shooters, right? Mm. Oh, so yeah. Oh, yeah. everyone on this team is, and everyone cares about it. So we can do what we think is best for the game and not make. Uh, you know, we have to make decisions sometimes based on finance because ultimately finance can make the game even better. Um, and players often don't see that. Like, uh, we have to make financial decisions. Like, having the Americans as the main side because America is the biggest market. Like, we have to make decisions like that. But ultimately, that makes the game better. So, for us, being independent, we're able to take everything we loved playing the games as kids and and being like super committed to them and just hours every day. We're able to take that passion and turn it into a development cycle and turn it into a development scheme and ethos and. I don't think a studio has really been able to do that yet because once you go above 30 people, you lose that right away. You, you can't contain that on a 300-person studio. So mm. keeping it for us to 10 to 15 guys, we can all we can choose people to work for us who are passionate about shoes. We can only hire people that are passionate about what we are passionate about. So nice. that's a real like process. So, so um, on top of that, just to piggyback off that question, so if... I guess it's probably a little bit early, and you probably have been approached by any, I guess, publisher or anybody that wanted to pick the game up. Would you would you consider that as a studio, or yeah, I just want to definitely keep independent, keep it small. 
we definitely have been approached um, already, okay, multiple times, and some nice. some really really big people. So it's really cool to be in that. You can't name them, can you? I would love it if you could. But, yeah. <laughs> oh, right, right, right. No chance. Um, I'd love to. I'd love to stand and do that, but I can't. Um, yeah. But uh, we're not. Like I said before, sometimes we have to make tough financial decisions that benefit the whole game. Um, what I can say is we will never, ever give up the creative control of the talent. That's just not going to happen. Because right. the whole reason we're doing this is because we think that the games of today and first-person shooters are just crap. But I think um, for us, we don't need a publisher right now. If we did, we could take one. But we will never, ever give up that creative control because that's... That's the thing that's making Battalion successful is the fact that us and the community together are making this game. So correct, correct. as far as we're concerned, uh, there's no problem with us getting a publisher. There's a problem with us selling the creative control. That's the problem there. Mm, okay. Uh, Anchor? Uh, uh, oh, oh, sorry. No, no, go ahead, Anchor. I'm sorry. I thought he asked me. I'm sorry. My, my internet's glitching. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, so I... I, I Sorry, <laughs> sorry. I had uh, one question. Uh, this game is a lot, a lot more focused on the multiplayer, which is something uh, I think most of us here would absolutely love. But one question that does come up is uh, single player. Uh, I know it's like a stretch goal currently to have a single player campaign, but many would like to know uh, why you guys decided on uh, no single player campaign on the initial plan. Uh, I think Cliff Blazinski did an article about three weeks ago uh, discussing how much it costs to do a single player game. Now, in 2006, when Call of Duty came out, um, basically first-person shooters and single-player campaigns were, and they still are today, really, is uh, run here, and we'll have a voiceover, a guy saying, quick, let's go this way, and then they'll throw a load of Germans at you. And you, shoot all <laughs> and that, you know, when you're 12 years old doing that, and that's awesome. But now, single-player games are direct competitors with... The Last of Us and Mass Effect and the, all these huge games, Tomb Raider, like Correct. there are huge, huge games, and those games have budgets of upwards a hundred million dollars, like two hundred million dollars, really. So, just to think, oh, why aren't you doing a single player campaign? Because it costs a lot of money, and we're not releasing crap. We're only releasing good stuff here. So, for us to say, oh yeah, we'll do a single player campaign, we've sort of budgeted it out of how much we could do it for. And that'd be one thousand two hundred pounds. Sorry, one million two hundred thousand pounds. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's it's literally just cost. We could we could make a good single player game, but it takes so much money, and the play, players don't realize it. They think there's some kind of just like add single player button. There just isn't. It's just so difficult. <laughs> <laughs> so so, like, so you uh, can definitely yeah. confirm with like what Cliff said that most of money, most of the money in development goes towards yeah. uh, single player and I think he said uh, like a huge portion of games that have multiplayer and single player, a lot of people don't even finish the single exactly. player. It's like 75% of your budget and maybe wow. 50% of your players play it and you know 30% complete it. It's just not worth it. Like, and this, mm. is, this is back to the whole like financial thing where it comes back to like just because we, we consider the finances of things and consider will things make us more money, if we make more money we can spend more money on battalion. So, you know, the less money we make, the less we're willing to spend on it. So, and frankly, at the end of the day, games cost a lot of money to make, and we actually do it for quite quite a good rate. And we we have ways of making it. Uh, or, you know, we we work quite hard, long hours, and 
you know, we push it so we can do it for the rate we're doing it at. But uh, we just want our community to realize, really, that if we discuss money, it's not because we're looking, we're going to monetize everything or we're going to, you know, do pay to win. That's not happening. This game is just about making a really good first-person shooter that's sort of back to its roots and re revitalizing games that we play when we're kids. Ricky, another question? Yeah, um, so I just wanted to know, because I see you're very, once again, big on the competitive side. Where do you see um, Battalion in the future? Where would you like to see Battalion in the future? Like, you know, we have games that just came out of the loop and just became super successful, like Rocket League, where, you know, it dropped and now it's, like, super competitive. It's, it's towards the esports community. Would you like to see Battalion go that route? Where exactly are you trying to see Battalion go? Um, I'd like to see it go both routes, really. Like, um, I think it, it's de there's definitely, like, ammo here to make uh, a really successful eSport game. Like, Call of Duty 2 and Enemy Territory were both really big eSport games at the time, but they didn't have any of that built in. Like, Counter-Strike has it all built into, like, the fibers yeah. of Counter-Strike, whereas Call of Duty didn't. So, for us, we can take that. Uh, opportunity now and just say this is going to be an eSport game. Um, now, we're not saying it's going to be like Counter-Strike, which is like directly only eSport, really. Like, they've got a few other game modes, which are fun, but they're not like... It's not really the primary focus. We're trying to split it, right? Like, uh, if you look at Rocket League's actual tactic is they make a really fun game that's fun to play against and with your friends, fun to beat them, fun to win with them, if you make that really fun, people will want to play esports with it. Mm. People will want to do it. It's not like, like, uh, do you guys remember Quake Live? And um, oh. like uh, the Trackmania. Yeah, they, I remember they were Trackmania. Some, like shoot, shooter mania or something they tried to make, and they're like, we're gonna make a competitive, uh, an esport shooter, and it, it doesn't work like that. You have to make it fun to play as a team and fun to play against people and to beat people ultimately to win. It has to be fun to win. And when you do that, which Battalion will, then it'll become an eSport. So, yeah, I think uh, the, the what is it called? Rocket League model is the way to go. Fun so, Joe, I wanted to say, Joe, uh, you've been saying what I've been saying for years, bro. God bless you. Bro. <laughs> simple, simple. Common, common sense. sense bro. Right. Common sense. Exactly. You kind of answered my you answered my second question on around with the whole what comes first when you develop a game is it do you come in with the mindset like I want an esports game or do you just come with the mindset of I want to make a a very fun game that has a lot of replay value so you just basically answered it there too because I didn't know whether or not in development do you guys come up with the sense of all right I want to make a a game that reaches the esports level because I didn't know the mindset yeah. of just the developer. We got it, It's in our minds. We're not like just making a game like, and then hope it goes. It's successful. We have to do things to push that side of it. But uh, those games are like Counter Strike is only successful because it's fun in the first place and it's competitive. Like if you don't have that, then there's no point in even trying. It doesn't matter how good your like league management system is or your 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 clan base kind of thing is it it just matters is it fun ultimately to play because then people will keep coming back. That's that's how it works. Um so we all know that Unreal Engine four is is a obviously a great engine, one of the most used engines, but uh just to hear it from you, what was the reason um that y'all decided to use Unreal Engine and also I saw that y'all decided to use MoCap 
um, mm. was that, that which is which is great um, and is, is that something that's I guess really expensive because you don't see a lot I don't think you see a lot of independent studios use it is usually the the bigger the bigger ones because usually I think it's you know an expensive thing to have so yeah, um, yeah. I think it's uh, we we have an agreement with. Uh, a university here that have a motion capture studio, and that's why nice. we're able to get it uh, affordable rates. And um, we have a really good animator who's good at this stuff. So, you know, they, we we just had the facilities for it. And I think it's comes down to a lot of indie studios don't have the guy and don't have the equipment. Well, we have both, so we can do it. It's that simple. Um, mm. It's there's still a lot of work that goes into it. It's not like you can just record the animation and it just like goes straight into the game. There's a lot of in between stuff. But um, yeah, that's on the mocap side. On, on the Unreal Engine side, I think we're actually the most experienced indie studio in terms of Unreal Engine. We started. Mm. We were the first Unreal Engine game on Xbox One. I think the second by about a week on PlayStation Four. So we we were one of the first people, including the AAA studios, to release an Unreal Engine game into the market like that. So. You know, we, we're very experienced with it, and we know them very well, and have a great relationship with them. So, that why wouldn't we use it? This, it's as far as we're concerned, it's the best one out there. Um, we we know its problems, and we know its its you know its its high points, and we're just gonna stick with it and ride it as long as we can, and keep pushing it, and try and uh, become more intelligent elsewhere, and things like photogrammetry, and you know, or what can we improve on outside of Unreal Engine? Okay. Uh, Abel. Yeah, um, and congratulations to the whole production team uh, for you guys launching a successful Kickstarter. Congratulations to you guys. Thank you. Um, Thank you. How, how did this come about, Joe? Was this Did this come about organically, or was this marketed in a certain way and it took off? How, how, how did this go for you guys to be um, so We didn't think it would be. I think in the back of our minds, we sort of debated with each other, like, how can this not work? Like, Everybody's saying they want it. We want it. We know they want it. And like, how could it not work? But when you're releasing a Kickstarter and you put money on the line, you're kind of like terrified. You're gonna lose it all. It's all gonna fail. Mm. But but really, we were like, how is this not gonna work? And then it did. And day one, we were like, wow, this is it's taking off. Day two, we're like, oh, even better. And then day three, it went over the hundred mark. And now it was like, okay, now we need to focus on how can we make this the best, most marketable, most playable, most fun product. Uh, on on in in the games industry right now, like how how can we do that? What do we need? So we came up with these stretch goals, and we kind of we went away, and in, in about two and a half weeks, we've made all these all the assets there, which is a ridiculous amount of time to do it. And and people have been kind mm -hmm. of complaining, where are they? Where are they? But we could have just uploaded some images, but we wanted to actually do the work first and show everyone that we can. So um, and and all and I'm sorry about that. To cut you off, Joe. Um, right. All the assets in game that's made by your, uh, that's made in house, correct? Uh, we have a we we work directly with a character team that we use. Oh, um, okay, good. Yeah, okay, are, it's actually the, I think the character guy that did the, the Rise characters. So he's really really talented. Oh, so, uh, ooh, yeah. okay. The characters for Forza are in those games as well. I you, did you know wow. their characters? Whoa. But, you know he's a. Uh, yeah, so he's he's really talented, and that's why we keep going back to him. But that's the way the industry works. You generally, unless you're a massive studio, you don't have character artists in house, so it's not ridiculous. But then levels and weapons, yeah, we've done that, and we, okay. we you know, manage and curate all of the stuff in there, and they just make the characters for us, and they're really talented, and that's the best way to do it. Just get it to the most talented guy you can find. Yep, I agree. 
Um, so there's six days left in the Kickstarter. For those of you watching, make sure you go to, if you want to support the game, or make sure you go check out their Kickstarter, uh, Battalion 1944. Um, there's six, but there's six days left. Is there going to be a way for people to support you, uh, you know, maybe fi uh, monetarily afterwards? I just want to make sure you get that out if there's a way. Uh, what's this? Sorry, so post-game... Is this post-game DLC you're saying? Uh, well... As far as because the Kickstarter ends in six days, so oh, okay, yeah, yeah. So I see what you as far as supporting the game, that people uh, not you know. not at all. It's um, we'll be opening up PayPal after the six days. Um, oh, okay. It's just literally we haven't had enough time to set it up during, and it it takes a, a long time. But um, we're gonna open up PayPal. Uh, there will be a few days of uh, if a small period where you'll be able to purchase the game for the same price as it is on the Kickstarter for those who couldn't use Kickstarter's payment methods. So, for, for instance, people in the Netherlands uh, generally don't use credit cards. They have they need PayPal. So uh, for those people who would have initially supported us when we needed the most and backed us early on, they can buy the game for that price then. Um, after those few days, it will go up to a more expensive price, um, as these do, uh, and it will just continue to grow. Um, but the game and the alphas and the early access and you know the betas will all be uh, for sale throughout the next... Uh, you know, year and next few months, so uh, and hopefully merchandise as well. So people seem to be really nice. Nice. I think uh, we were hiring a community manager starting next month, I think, and he's uh, going to be very busy. Okay, uh, uh, anchor. Uh, so I only have um, another question for you. Uh, clearly, the focus for Battalion is on PC, uh, and it will be coming to consoles later. Uh, and I see that you guys are putting the game on early access on Steam, but uh, it's kind of an obligatory question. Um, many of my Xbox followers were wondering if you would consider the Xbox preview program where other games like Elite Dangerous and Ark Survival Evolved have really kind of thrived. Um, so game preview is a funny one because uh, Ark has obviously thrived on it and we actually had a meeting with Xbox the other day and we were chatting about it and just discussing it. So the conversations happen we're just not um, committing to anything. So uh, literally because with it, I don't know, you guys already know, but the Xbox certification takes so long and takes so much time. Um, so, yeah, I'm sure you've heard, actually, but it's, you know, it, you don't want us to waste time doing that. You want us to just make the game. So if we can get it to an agreement where it's, it's not going to take us that, uh, it's not going to cost us time doing it. It's not, we're not going to waste time. And, frankly, the game is at a good standard when we can release it on preview, then we'll, yeah, I'm sure we'd look into doing it. But, if it's a case of this is going to take more time than it's worth, you know, the guys just want to get the finished game, then we'll just do that. So, um, but I, I like game preview. It looks cool, but we just can't commit to it. We're Best thing for people to know is that we're talking to Microsoft about it. We have a really good relationship with them already from our previous games. But, um, yeah, we're, we're fully aware of it, and there's discussions that happen. So. Okay. Um, so we've we've heard a lot of things about different from different developers about DirectX 12. Um, I've heard you. It was either you or one of your staff in the in the trailer mentioned it um, and using it in the game. How do you think that will help the game? Um, about using what? Sorry. DirectX 12. DirectX 12. Um, so, I mean, it's a bit of a gray area. Really, we're gonna have to test it. I mean, DirectX 12 supposedly means you can have way more uh, polys, triangles, and objects in the game. Um, and it's just way better for rendering large scenes, so it might not be as beneficial for us as it is for armor, for instance, but mm. it'll still be beneficial regardless, so we'll just have to kind of 
play it by ear, but you know, new DirectX and you know, new tech, whenever we can get it, is always good. That's always gonna, yeah, there's always gonna be something there that we can learn from, adapt, and improve. So why wouldn't you go with the latest thing? Uh, Ricky, did you have another question? Yeah, just one more thing I just wanted to mention was that um, I think you guys, you and the whole team came in at the perfect time because, you know, right now the community or just, should I say, the games that have been dropping first-person shooters are very oversaturated as far as the futuristic play. And it kind of, guys like us kind of fell back a bit. And I definitely want to say we all appreciate this and I wish nothing but success in this game, and we 100% support everything you're doing, and we really just want to see more updates and everything that comes along the line, so I just want to say congrats for that, man. Well, thank you. No, we'll, we'll definitely be pushing more updates. Uh, Twitch streaming and these kind of things. I think uh, we talked about having a kind of Call of Duty night or something, you know, getting the community together and everybody playing. You know, that'd be fun, and just kind of like meet and play with the developers and just everybody becoming a whole social community together, and uh, yeah, I mean we've already got a great community. Do you have a beta of releasing? Uh, you'll be yes over the next few uh, months to between now and up to like May May 2017, there'll be something coming along. But like I said, okay. we won't be releasing anything that's not really good and really fun. Mm-hmm. No problem. Thank you. Just one, one more thing I wanted to say. Uh, obviously, I know that uh, you're creating a game that's coming, you know, that's being funded from people's pockets, and there's a lot of pressure and everything like that. But I would still say definitely, you know, take your time because, you know, even though even if it will take longer, people appreciate the finish, the finished product because I'm sure you've noticed the trend of release dates being announced and no developer ever being able to meet it. So, yeah. It's- that's the the problem with that is it's not the developers it's the publishers um, right so that that is the guys that like if you look at Assassin's Creed Unity that's that's mm. um, the guys uh, in the top saying yeah, right we need to get one out in quarter four or whatever and then they're they're saying oh well we can they're saying well do it and you know just hire more people and that does that's not how it works like games do take time to make it's, and when you fix one thing you might break another thing and you know you you, you can't just do that and it. It takes a lot of guts for a studio to say we're going to delay a deadline, but they're only doing that with, you know, the the best <laughs> intentions of making a good game. So, because if they released it as it was, if they hit that de- that deadline, then that'd be a problem. So often it's not the studios setting the deadline; it's the it's the publishers and the guys with the the, the big suits kind of thing. Mm, okay, uh, anchor. Last question or comment. Uh, just one. This is a probably really simple one. Uh, a lot of people are wondering whether is this just the European theater, or are you guys considering maybe some Pacific, uh, Pacific theater later in the future? Yeah, I mean, we we did a stretch goal for uh, the Pacific. I think it's six hundred thousand pounds, about eight eight nine hundred thousand dollars. I think. Um, so yeah, we're definitely kind of going for that, but um, it just costs money again. Like especially with the Pacific one, that you've got to. So if you think, oh yeah, you just got to add like the Japanese. Yeah, well, it was the Marines fighting in the Pacific, so now you've got to make a whole new character set for the Marines. It's not just, like, the U.S. or one one form. You guys have, like, ten military <laughs> units. You know what I mean? So uh, it, it, it racks up. So, you know, there were Russia's on there and Britain's on there as well. And the thing with Britain is we the Germans were the, uh, very similar and not the same uniform and the same environments. But when it goes over to Japan and Russia, they're very, very different. Okay. So... Um, last thing I gotta ask this. Uh, so the pacing, will it be you know one of those fast pace or you know more slow and tactical? Uh, in between, I think. In between. Okay. Uh, 
that's you know, people are asking for both, so why not do it in the middle? I think um, if you look at Call of Duty 2, there's no sprint. You get your pistol out, you move slightly faster. And if you look at Call of Duty 4, you're just like way too fast. Like it's it's so you sprint and you on PC you can like strafe and fly yourself an extra like five meters and that kind of thing. So I think having a sprint in Call of Duty 2 and you're going slightly faster, there's a good pace there. You know, we we're talking about aim with one shot rifles and stuff. We're talking about less spray and prey now, more like quick reactions, good aim, that kind of thing. So mm-hmm. yeah, I think a, a middle ground would be good. Okay, uh, Abel, last question or comment? Yes, um, yeah, again, congratulations to you guys doing phenomenal work, and, and I'm going to continue to follow the development on this title. Um, what is your best advice that you could give an independent studio starting a game? Uh, an independent studio? Uh, yeah. Make sure you tell your friends and family, because you'll need their help eventually. Um, mm. Make sure you know, don't don't make your game bigger than you think you can make it. Like, <laughs> you know, know, know what you're making, and commit to it and ultimately everybody thinks you're gonna fail I think you're gonna fail you guys all think whoever this indie is is gonna fail but that's the way it is doesn't mean you are gonna fail so you just mm. gotta keep going but okay. I do think you're gonna fail but prove me wrong mm. <laughs> okay uh, so Joe we really want to thank you for coming we know you busy oh, no. you got you know working on the game working this on is fun. you, know, you got fun. some other interviews so we appreciate it, man. I definitely yeah. appreciate it. Thank you, you know, so much, Joe. Thank you, Joe. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks a lot, guys. Thank you. So thank all the viewers for coming through and watching. Uh, I'll put the information for Battalion 1944 in the Kickstarter. Sometimes I make a mistake, say 1994. <laughs> <laughs> did you, did you, IGN did it. Or no, oh, Lord. It's 1994. <laughs> I was like, what is that? Like, I don't know what that is. <laughs> Like crazy. There was definitely no war in there. I was like, what about right? (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, like I said, we thank you. Um, We'll put uh, put all the the links in the description for Battalion Kickstarter and uh, studio information. And uh, yeah, that's it. We're out of here.